And she was probably cursing me until she realised she'd actually put in the normal dishwashing liquid. No, no, not my fault. I can confirm she was cursing you. And who would have thought Nathan Buckley would grow a beard and become the new age coach of 2018 and almost win a premiership? But there are YouTubes of people with goats on their back. So apparently for goaters on your back while you're doing your position, it shows that you've got great core strength. I ended that show feeling so desperately sorry for that young man and his family, even though he had caused the death of so many people. I mean, he was clearly a misfit from a very early age. On these floorboards, it is driving me nuts. Slippers for dogs, Cara. Slippers for dogs. Little Ugg boots. This is not being mean to say that is a ridiculous No, I would put, honestly, at night time, I would put them on all four paws. Who would have thought my mum, Julia, would become a social media star? (laughs) (laughs) Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 66 of Don't Shoot the Messenger, your favourite podcast. I'm here with... More than one person today, but I'm here with my dear friend, the bookseller. Slightly grumpy with me today, Corrie Perkin, aren't you? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm apologising to you before I do my other apology. Well, my sister-in-law, who used to be your sports editor, you know, did warn me that, of course, Carol's oh, never on time so with the coffee. Oh, so blah, I blah, think blah. on Monday, which was a few days before this podcast is telecast, I said, oh, just flick us your ideas quickly for this week's show. Well... I said I'm grumpy. What time did we I'm, talk last night? It's I, now seven in the morning, and we talked last night at ten o'clock. Still no show. I, I <laughs> so this is the Cory Perkins podcast today. I sent you a really today. good question, and I what? said I was oh, grumpy, gosh. and I sent you a GLT. Hold the phone. Yep. What more do you want? Yep. All right. Now, Cara, I'm not actually grumpy with you because you bought me a lovely cup of coffee. Thanks for that. But I did want to just say, how good are the jacaranda at this time of year? That old donut makes me sad because we sold our house with that beautiful jacaranda tree and I drive past it still just to see whether the purple's particularly <laughs> deep this year and there's a carpet on the old lawn. You can always tell what sort of a year we've had in Melbourne climactically by the colour of the blue of the jacaranda and I think the paler means that we haven't had enough rain, doesn't it? Yes, it does and then you go to Sydney and they are Deep, deep purple. Yeah, they have more rain up in and Sydney than they do in Melbourne. And they've been flowering for a, yeah, months, I know. Now, Corrie, we've got a special guest in here today. We do. Her name is Mandy Wildsmith. Here's the ABA. That, Corrie, is the Australian Booksellers Association. <laughs> Don't you love the way I'm telling you? Rep of the year. Thanks. She's brought us in a lovely prize, brought us in a lovely prize, and she is going to judge the aforementioned, much-talked-of live podcast cocktail, the one with the pink gin and the Prosecco and the cranberry juice. So last week, potties, if you missed out in episode 65, Chad of The Flying Duck provided us with the recipe, which uh, I think a few podsters have been imbibing upon, given some of the headaches that have been coming into the shop the last few days. Welcome, Mandy. Morning, Corrie. You love a cocktail. I do love a cocktail. More than one, actually. (laughs) Join the club, line up. Um, Mandy, uh, you're very kindly, thank you to Hardy Grant, and you're here to present the prize today. Yes. But first of all, before we do that, I'm surprised you haven't got your Rep of the Year tiara on because usually you wear it everywhere. Well, particularly as you you tried to say it was a Victorian Rep of the Year, and in fact it was a National Rep of the Year, Corrie, that is a lie. I don't wear it everywhere. It's on my (laughs) desk, but it's staying on my desk. Did you get a pay rise out of Sandy Grant? No, I actually must talk to him about that. I think you have to, Mandy. I think a bonus at least. I'll see him today. (laughs) 
Just say, Corrie and Carrie said I deserve a pay rise. Now, we've had some wonderful suggestions, and I, I do like the imagination of Felicity Brown, a dear old friend of mine who was at the podcast the other day and said we should use the acronym BCNA. She's saying bubbly cranberry nick. Dicterius, not so sure about Dicterius, Ambrosia. Wow. I love that for the Breast Cancer Network Australia. And another great friend of uh, the podcast, Felicity Savage, suggested Off Your Pop, which is something I've been known to say. I'd like to order a couple of Off Your Pops, please. I know the one I like, though. Corrie, are there any? Oh, Lynn B says, um, is Don't Shoot the Messenger Too Obvious? Yeah, and. Don't uh, mind that. And. Nick underscore stir 28 on Instagram suggested the housekeeping apology because we do a lot of that. And Lisa Jamison's Potty's Poison and Jane Templeton, of course, said Girl Talk, which I thought was really, uh, you know, inspired. But um, Mandy, it's, do I do a drum roll? Over to you. I think I actually like Girl Talk. Yeah, good on you, Mandy. That was my choice. I'm sorry. Um, Did you have a Labor Party caucus meeting before (laughs) we came on? Well, Nick, we don't like people with underscores, so they immediately. I like the housekeeping apology. Yeah, but yeah, well, I don't mind it, but I agree. Girl Talk, simple. It was a group of girls talking on the day. Mm. We love the song. Uh, I'm very happy with it. Very that. hard for Chad and the gang to sell that, though, to a group of blokes who come in and say, oh, we want that cocktail that was mentioned. Oh, girl talk. <laughs> it's not about marketing. It's about, And anyway, we don't care about the men. We are, we, this is a cocktail we for us. We don't care about the men. Well, there you go. Nick Lowe? Matt, was it Nick Lowe who sang girl talk? I always get yeah, um, uh, yeah. Some things you can't cover up with lipstick and flowers. Yeah, yeah it was Nick Lowe. Powder, actually. Uh, powder. Yeah. So what did I say, flowers? <laughs> Now, Mandy, would you like to tell us about the prize that we are awarding to our winning podster, Jane Templeton? Well, it's a fantastic cocktail book. It's actually based on the Everly in Gertrude Street, Fitzroy, called A Spot at the Bar. And it actually came out quite a few years ago. And it's just an old-fashioned cocktail bar, um, really back to the golden era. You can go in there and just order Anything you want, and they will make it to your life. A Bundy and Dry, or whatever, which has always been Carrie's drink your taste of choice. They will yeah, actually concoct their right. own. Where, where is it? It's in Gertrude Street, Fitzroy, called oh. the Everly. Okay, great. And it's a called, good local tip. It's called the Spot at the Bar, published by Hardy Grant, and that's the the prize. And what does it retail talk? for? It is forty nine ninety nine. Oh, well done, Mandy. You know your product. I just thought I'd throw that do you in want there. The, do you want the ISBN? <laughs> but it's a beautiful looking book with lovely designs and it's got great cocktail recipes. It has. A it's spot per- at the bar. It's perfect. Which now, would Mandy, have been another good name for the drink as well. It would have actually been a good name for the drink. Mandy, before you leave us, uh, can you just tell us how's Christmas sales going? Because we have to be honest, retail has been a bit mm. flat yeah. until the past Look, weekend. Now I've, people are going Christmas, but it's been really flat. I think it has been slow, Corrie. I think um, what happens in October and November is books, a lot of books come into the bookstores, as you know, and the shelves are just bursting. And it's an exciting time, but it's actually an anxious time because anxious. you don't, Jesus, you don't want the shelves to be bursting for long. But um, I think the list is so strong this year that when all the reps go back to work in January, um, I think it will be a really good Christmas for the booksellers. It's a really, it's a strong list, as you know. Well, I'm trying my hardest, but it has been very flat. Mm. And interestingly, Caro, people say each year Christmas is getting later. And what that actually, that expression means is that we're all so busy with, you know, end of school, nativity players at school, Christmas, work, breaks Christmas up, breakups, break. office parties, all the of that sort of thing. The gym breakup, the book club breakup, the girls oh, breakup. All of, one more breakup. I know, uh, I know. And... 
I think just people are just putting the, the shopping later, whereas in our Mother's Day, they, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, people started shopping quite strategically, probably even in October. Mm. I can might remember my mother seeing a gift here and there. I reckon it was the old September school holidays we started doing Christmas shopping. I so think, it's I think funny, too, Corrie, um, the customers are more discerning too. They, they wait for the catalogues to come out. They read the catalogues and then just decide, and it does seem to get later each year. And also I think I the way Christmas is spaced this year, people are leaving it all to next week because then you've still got Monday. The, I, I, I think yes, it, that's there's right. a We've lot got to a do with the calendar. Thing, yeah, I mm. think that's right. So you'll be fine, Corrie. I haven't done my big bookshop yet. You'll be. We noticed that. Now, Coco was saying only the other day she hasn't come in and spent her usual one grand. Well, well, I have been in a few times, including the time I had to go and pick up a book that you forgot to bring me. But anyway, no pressure. <laughs> Mandy, it's lovely to meet you. Please Thank you, Carol. Feel free to stick around and listen to us Thank bang you. on. Corrie's got a couple of fantastic ideas for today. And we've got, I've, I noticed the recipe section is blank, Corrie, but don't worry. I come to your aid. I'm doing the recipe. Oh, I thought you might have something up up your sleeve. I, I also just... can I make an apology? Yeah, of to course. The person, I love it when you apologise to, to the person. Well, it's really apology by way of humorous comment to the person who listened to our good local tip a few weeks ago and brought the dishwashing liquid to go in the dishwasher. And thought she was so smart. and then Oh, un- I know this person. And then unfortunately... <laughs> she told me there were bubbles everywhere. She put in the morning fresh. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you a complete idiot? <laughs> like she's gone to the trouble of finding This person told me you should have seen the kitchen and all the bubbles everywhere. <laughs> she was probably cursing me until she realised she'd actually put in the normal dishwashing liquid. No, no, not my fault. I can confirm she was cursing you. <laughs> and to those people who came for lunch on Sunday and ate rather quite a lot of vegetable dishes, salady dishes, and not much meat, that was because I took the eye fillet, the Cape Grim eye fillet, out of the oven. Imagine this, Corrie, two o'clock, you know, everyone's been there, lovely drinks, lovely bar snacks, did the prawn pillows, you would have been proud of me, did Clem's beetroot cured salmon, pulled out the eye fillet, inedible. Why? Off. Oh, my lordy. Completely off. The, the smell was terrible, wasn't oh, it? The smell was funny when I put it in. I thought, oh, maybe it's a cryvac <gasps> smell. He, the butcher assured oh. me. I cut off a small How slice. How to kill your party, literally. I cut off a small slice. I thought, you know me, I'll eat anything. I leave milk days after they're used by date. Put some in my mouth. I went, oh, my lord, I feel ill. The whole thing just went straight in the bin. Well, can I say... It, I did it, get a discount, but it was a bit of a damner on the Back lunch. to Enzo to say, sorry that this was off. Um, Enzo, very naughty at the butcher shop. Caro, I don't think it affected your party too much because you text Anna and Anna from the op shop and myself at about 11.30 saying, oh, just got rid of the last guest. No, it wasn't that What late. sort of a lunch goes from... One o'clock, I presume, was kickoff might to 11. T- might have been 10.30. Because, no, you no, see, the last because they didn't have protein in their tummy, they all got smashed <laughs> and they wouldn't go home. It was a very enjoyable day, Corrie. Um, can I just also say that our friend Jeff Slattery was really upset last week when I um, put him in the same basket as Janet, Janet Albrecht. I, <laughs> I knew this would happen. I don't know what you were thinking. So, well, anyway, he's, 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 he's forgiven me because he's rung me a couple of times on book business matters this week, but he did sign off a, a, a name or a text yesterday, Janet. <laughs> so I think he's quite fancying himself. And Kathy Cashin, who got in touch because she discovered us via the Outer Sanctum podcast, she's binged all the episodes of ours, including our footy tips, which is probably a bit dull given that she knew the results. But she, she she's she, recommended... Kathy, 
And Darling, you have to get a life. He's recommended um, the SBS series Dictate, which Brendan and I fell in love with a couple of years ago. It's about a newly divorced Danish Juno. Oh, you put me onto that. Yeah, yes. she leaves Copenhagen and returns to her hometown. It's really good. Not as good as the bridge, but of course you wouldn't know that because you only just discovered the bridge and uh, you haven't nearly, gone way Nearly finished it. episode oh, three, although oh, I got home last three, night. Series three, series three. Nearly got home last night. Brendan's onto episode two of series four. I said, sorry, we missed the last episode together. Don't you hate that? Oh, well, I When they just, go ahead and do it's things completely without put us you. out of sync. But anyway, thanks, Kathy. Thanks, everyone. Mandy, you're sticking around to listen to us. Now, Corrie, this is a topic you've put up by in lieu of me not giving you many great ideas. Well, I was a bit desperate, I have to say. The, and it's called Trends of 2019. Now, the only trend I could come up with, apart from um, black leggings coming back in under dresses, which I think Mandy's rocking today, and Miss Jane reckons never went out. I think it's come back in again. Well, one one thing that has come <clears throat> back is bike shorts as fashion yes. item, which is a bit unfortunate given that 92% of the female population shouldn't be seen outside of a gym in bike shorts. Do you mean, do you mean like the um, compression type? Yes, yes, yeah. and, 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 but, I've, but I've seen well, them on I'll the catwalk. I wear them to gym, that's no, all right. Caro, that's fine. You know, and even to the supermarket at 8.30 when you've just done your gym session, that's okay. The French women, of course, would be horrified by that idea, but that's okay. I don't mind that. If I still see a customer at 5pm coming into the shop in her leggings or her bike shorts, I go, oh dear, you should have gone home and had a shower a bit earlier. But look... The thing about this is so it's such a disgusting trend. They have, they have sequins on them. One of the catwalks I looked at last night, there was an ocelot. Uh, My friend pattern. Susie wore sequin ones. She, she can get away with that to a dinner we had not long ago. And the next day, when I was well, you know, I don't vacuum that often, but I was actually picking sequins up from oh, the floor. Yeah, <laughs> we did all start dancing. There were sequins everywhere. So that's what happens when you wear sequins leggings. Well, the only the other th- trend I could think of was early voting, but that's a bit dull, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah, I mean, we might see more of it. I don't know. But just while Mandy is here and she's still on mic, I'd just like to ask you about the narwhals, which you said to me the other day, quote, unquote, this is the new trend, Cory, in 2019. What is a narwhal? Well, they're called the unicorn of the sea. And they've got this, it's like a tusk coming out of their... It's a whale. It's a whale. And clearly not extinct. It is a whale. (laughs) They still exist. Well, they're in picture books, Cara. They must be real. (laughs) And it's like a um, they've got a tusk coming out of their canine tooth straight up in the air, and it's just the most bizarre. Well, bizarre needless thing. to say, and did I order any? No, no, but you will next time. Do you think? I wonder your retail. <laughs> think I'll get on down. To... You missed out okay. that trend. So here are a few things. And um, narwhals stop... are they a new thing, a new fashion? Yes, they're going to be in children's books. So just like the myrmecorn, remember I told you about yep. the myrmecorn yes, a, a little few while ago? ago, and the meerkat of the nineties. Yes. Yep. Well, no, the two thousand and. 19s, yeah, or whatever we... What do we call the 19s? Or 19s, I guess. So goat yoga, heard about that? No. Oh, this is really bizarre. This is animal therapy with feel-good fitness. So it's a craze that came, that popped up in the US. A lot of yoga retreats happen on farms in the US, Caro, and there just happen to be goats <laughs> there. So, so you're doing you go- it down with dog and there's a bit of a, a nag's head <laughs> <laughs> coming in on you. How absolutely off-putting. If you want to have a laugh for five minutes, just jump onto Facebook. I know you don't do that or actually YouTube and put in goat yoga and you'll see all of these wacko people, including a number of Australians who not only have the goats, you know, frolicking around them, because goats are very, um, they they love people, they love company, so they're very affectionate and they will just, they love the chanting and they love the quiet, so they actually will <laughs> lie down beside you. But there are YouTubes of people with goats on their back. 
So apparently if a goat is on your back while you're doing a position, it shows that you've got great uh, core strength. <laughs> really? I mean, well, that I, sounds what? dangerous apart your from face, else. Your face is hilarious. It what a shame we're not on the, television. It reminds me of the group of footy people who went to re-sign a player and convinced him to sign a new contract. Now we're sitting in the living room and one of them felt something nuzzling at his shoulder <laughs> and a horse had wandered in from, <laughs> from the paddock. Like, you know, they were one of those families who have animals. Yes. Bridge of Clay, Jane. Bridge of anyway, Clay, Marcus sorry, Isaac. Go on. Okay, so I'll go on. So anyway, there, was a, there is a quote from a, an Australian yogi who said, who, who does have goats, uh, about eight of the kid goats wander around her sessions. And she said, they seem to really love us when we're sitting in meditation. That's their favorite thing. So there you go. Now, the Pantone color of 2019, you're going to love this. When I say the word coral, what do you think of? Sort of apricot, no, pale no, in, orange. In your own experience, and why we were bagged for it. Take yourself back to yeah, 1984. Yeah, the bridesmaid's dress that I wore to your wedding. But that, uh, that's sort of an apricotty. That was coral. We, we yeah. called it coral. But five years later, were we hammered for that colour? We yes. Were. And, we were. you know, for 20 years it hasn't been back in fashion. So get it out, Caro. Try it on. You know I'm what, sure it'll still fit you. It doesn't. Do you know what we should have called it? Pale watermelon, oh. because it's the same thing, and everyone would have gone, oh, that's so trendy. Okay, they were the other... very um, bop girl dresses, weren't they? Now, yes, they were. Forest bathing, have you heard of that? Well, is that bathing in the forest? Well, it's the medicine of simply being in the forest. Given that we call it the bush in Australia, I wonder whether we call it bush bathing. I'm not sure. But it's it's, in what, Japan, like in it's a, a Japanese. It's a Japanese. It's known as Shinyoku in Japan, and it is a... Uh, you know, centuries-old healing um, technique, and it really became popular in the 1980s, a cornerstone of preventive healthcare and healing in Japanese medicine. You just go and sit in the forest and just contemplate, I guess. Oh, so you're not actually diving in a river or something? Oh, you can do that too. Some books, in fact, I think Mandy had a book at Hardy Grant. There's a book of people in a little bathtub right in the middle of the bush, you know, but, uh, sorry, forest. But anyway, not my thing. I won't be doing that. But I will be doing this, the return of the bar cart or cocktail cabinet drink trolley. Oh, never left my house. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Well, On wheels. Anna from the op shop, she should be really sort of looking for these and putting a big price tag because they're going to be popular next year. The ugly food or the imperfect vegetable is coming back in 2019, Caro, Jane, Mandy and Coco, because people are just getting fed up with waste. So you know how sometimes you'll get a really ugly looking carrot or an oversized with zucchini. With a big knobble in it or a tomato. Yes, and we never funny... see them in woolies or anything because, no. of course, they've turfed away. They are. There are now going to be sections. They are predicting, the retail analysts are predicting there will be sections in in uh, food shops and supermarketos where you actually can go to that area, like organic, but you can go to the area where the imperfect vegetables are. Uh, you could probably turn it into a new special superfood salad, couldn't you? I mean, how attractive. You, you could make it into a sort of artistic Thing. Well, one one trendster did say, did predict that there will be uh, a whole new thing on Instagram of photographing your imperfect vegetables. So that could be a thing. Watch out for that. I won't be holding the phone, but that could turn on some people. Food for gut, foods for gut health that will continue to get better and better. When I asked my son William, what are the trends? He just said velvet slippers, Mum. Oh, which well. given Bertie's, I guess that's um, – but we might see more velvet slippers. That would be good. And his fiance, the lovely Lib, said neo-mint will be the colour for interiors and there will be lots of beige in fashion. 
Uh, there What's will be... IGTV advertising? Okay, so that's what, well, that's a little story. So an Instagram story. So at the moment, uh, you don't know how to do this, but I'll teach you over summer. But you fo- you, you just put it's a, a little bit rich story. coming from the person who lost our entire Instagram account. <laughs> it's now called Don't Shoot Pod, okay, everyone? It doesn't Instagram have as many account. members anymore. I no, think we, no. we're about 400 down. Where did those 400 go, Well, they don't tell you where they went. <laughs> <laughs> to the ether because you forgot the password. Yep, come back. Uh, Caro, so you know the little stories. Clem's very good at doing a story. The The trend is going to be that companies such as Hardy Grant or BHP Steel or whoever they are are going to do more Instagram stories as a way of promoting their product. But the well, key that's is really gonna... annoying because I love Instagram because it's private and every time I turn it on now there were there are bloody ads all the way through. Well, I think there's a suggestion here. Miss Jane is really... Um, shooting with this idea that you and I are going to do more of these Instagram stories, oh. which could be horrendous. We have to put full makeup on every time we come in. Oh, no. um, and just a couple more. The Italian-born, UK-based designer Alessandra Rich, look out for her, more of her. Lib and daughter Francesca say 80s fashion is going to be huge. Uh, big shoulder pads, you know, as part of the Me Too movement, women are strong, that kind of thing. <laughs> so there's a few ideas. And the headscarf, although I thought the headscarf was more a 60s thing, but anyway, they're saying it's yes. 80s. Yes, no, the 60s. Remember, our mothers always wore silk headscarves when they yeah, went down the to the shops. Yeah, it was the 60s, wasn't it? Yeah, not only over their rollers, but just sometimes as a fashion <laughs> thing. My mum didn't Lola do Bridget that over her rollers. That. No, mum didn't either, but, you know, how people would mum do that. Mum wouldn't be seen dead with the rollers under the... No, well, I'm, I don't know. Don't diss my mum. She wouldn't either. But you often <laughs> saw women at the supermarket with headscarves over their no, rollers. No, you, you sometimes you still do, Caro. Another couple of things which are important to mention, mental health will become an even bigger talking point next year, which I think is a good thing, and more books and awareness about the antisocial behaviour and downside of social media. So that's going to be a big movement. And hashtag war on waste. Look out for that one as well. So there you go. Now See, I did my research. You can't say that I haven't worked hard for the well pod this done. week. Well done. You came up with a lot of trends for 2019, most of which I've never heard of, which says a lot about me. Now, I Corrie, can just see you doing goat yoga. You came up with this idea too, but it was when we were talking on the phone. Oh, don't who, give me a break. Don't. You've done nothing. Thought. You've gone out to dinners and things and played bridge. Okay, I'll start. I'll start. I've been. Do you know what I did do? Speaking of forest bathing, I joined the swimmers in the bay yesterday. There was no one there. It was a good time to start. I put on a bathing cap. So and I've lost goggles, you. I've lost you for some. And walks. I swam. I didn't make it all the way to the point, but I made it halfway. It was quite. Does a that big mean swim. I've lost you for the walks? Well, every second day I might swim now. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go and play golf then. Anyway, oh, it was sad, Caro. Well, no, I we'll lose just, you. We'll see how we go. But I, I was pretty. I felt good afterwards, Corrie, I will start, and then you. So I will say, who would have thought? And you say, oh, okay. Who? No, who would have thought? Um, that come on. Oh, okay, who would have thought? So the who would have thought that is is we should explain what this is about. No, we don't. It's oh, obvious. okay. All right. Okay. okay, I'll start. Given that you. All right. Been. Who would have thought, Caro? I would be a great aunt in two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. I became a great aunt yesterday. My little, uh, my little great aunts were always about one hundred and ten, and they had great, hairs, whiskery hairs on their chin. My little great niece Francesca Faye was born, and I'm so excited. Congratulations, beautiful Sarah and Sam. Congratulations, Sarah and Sam. Love the name Francesca for obvious reasons. Who would have thought? Who would Tim have... Lane would be calling cricket on Channel Seven oh. in 2018? What's happened, Caro? Who would have thought your new best friend would be Anthony Green? I know. I'm having lunch. From I'm ABC. having lunch with him next month. <laughs> Why am 
I not surprised? I've got another what? date with Anthony Green. No, well, it was part of the Andrew Ollie thing that one table. He's in love with goes you. Goes into a raffle. They all go into a raffle as part of the fundraising, and they get Could to have lunch with me. Could you just apologise to him that I? Oh, I see. Could you just apologise that I called him Dobby out of Harry and Anthony's? Which Anth- actually, David Murray agreed. And who said would have he does thought, look a bit like Dobby? Who would have thought Anthony Green is a massive footy fan, That's AFL right. fan? Who would have thought? that a 72-year-old man living in a retirement home would be the new Labor member for Hawthorne in Victoria and that my friend, name deleted because I can't name him, would actually vote Labor for the first time at the age of about 62. Who would have thought? Yeah, I'm dying to know who your friend is. Uh, who would have thought that He's I would... friend too. Oh. Anyway, no, no, no. Brendan's that's not it. 60. Um, who would have thought that... Janet Albrechtson, the columnist for The Australian, a.k.a. Jeff Slattery, <laughs> Jeff Slattery and Drag, that I would have actually agreed with on more than one occasion with things that she writes. Not every week I have to stress this. I haven't completely turned over to the conservative side. But I have – is it a sign that Janet is um, becoming more smaller liberal or that I'm becoming more conservative as I get older? Well, it's funny because I'm finding that with a lot of my friends, they're either moving further to the left or further to the right. Everyone's getting more... Polarised. Yeah, not extreme, but people are changing their views as they get older. I think it says you're moving further to the right. Oh, that's a bit scary. Yes. Well, well, if I start voting for Donald Trump, you know there's a problem. You are a small businesswoman. Who would have thought Nathan Buckley would grow a beard and become the new age coach of 2018 and almost win a premiership? Mm. Unbelievable. I'm with you on that one, girl. Um, And who would have thought the Queen would just have all this newfound respect from me, which started with watching The Crown last summer over Netflix, and then, of course, her wonderful embracing of Meghan Markle and through that whole wedding and Eugenie's wedding as well. And then that wonderful little TV doco she did with Sir Richard Attenborough where they toured the Buckingham Palace Gardens to talk about the Queen's Commonwealth Canopy Project, which is now being embraced by all the Commonwealth nations. Apparently, Australia has committed to planting... It's not an editorial, Corrie. It's who would have thought. ...20 million new trees. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm so excited about that. Okay, who would have thought that I would become hooked on at the Outlander series on SBS? Who would have thought that I like tri- time travelling with Claire Randall back to 18th century Scotland? At all. You always you love and that all I had, that, and I love, love all that <laughs> mystical history. And stuff. I have the hots for Highland warrior Jamie Fraser, and that's why I want to go and live in Edinburgh for a month next year. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought my mum Julia would become a social media star? <laughs> <laughs> Given that she's just learned how to text message, who would have thought? Um, and who would have thought, Caro, that Theresa May would be yours and my pinup girl in 2008? Well, not cool. I think that's going a bit far. Okay, we have admiration. We're pretty moment. impressed. Admiring we're, moments. We're impressed the way she stood up to them. Who would have thought that 12th night would come to Melbourne with the MTC? Jeffrey Rush would be removed from the main role for obvious reasons and that the big star would be Christy Whelan-Brown, who, of course, who would have thought would probably end the acting career of Craig McLaughlin? Oh, who would have who thought? Who would have thought, Caro? I think that's probably enough now. We could go on like this forever, just talking crap about who would have thought. It is, it's pretty interesting, though, isn't it, when you go through it all? Yeah. It's, who would have thought I would have gone to a wedding at the start of the year and, and a guest would have worn all white? Mm. Not the bride. I was just looking at you in your lovely cream frock and it made me think of it all of a sudden. It's pale yellow, Corrie. Is it? 
Oh, I suppose you could say cream. Yes. Um, okay, so... Now, I've got Crush of the... Well, you've got Crush of the Week, so I'm going to introduce it. This is thanks to our wonderful sponsors, the Interchange Bench. If your business needs new players, pick them up from the Interchange Bench, the leading provider of temporary and contract talent. See interchangebench.com.au for talent so good you'd wish you could keep them. Corrie... Crush my, of the week. My crush is Jacinda Ardern, the New Zealand Prime Minister, who continues to show grace, high emotional intelligence, wisdom beyond her years, and a very big heart. And frequently... She's been crush of the week before. She was mine when she had her baby, remember? Yeah, well, she's back again. No, what, this she, week, this what week, particularly Cara, has she done? Well, this week she apologised on behalf of her nation to the family of the girl, who the backpacker, the British backpacker, who was at Grace Mullane, who was terribly, tragically murdered last week. The, the man is now in custody. The alleged murderer is in custody. But Jacinta Ardern choked back tears when she offered a heartfelt apology to the family and her voice cracking with emotion, which I just thought was so compelling. I could, I've watched the YouTube of it about four times. And then she says... There is this overwhelming sense of hurt and shame that this has happened in our country, a place that prides itself on our hospitality and our uh, manikigya, I can't say it's a Maori word, I guess meaning welcome, welcoming of others. And so on behalf of New Zealand, I want to apologise to Grace's family. Your daughter should have been safe here and she wasn't and I'm sorry for that. Do you know what? I'd, if you were a New Zealander, you would feel that pain, you would feel the pride of that statement. And I think it makes everybody stop and think just for a moment about what has actually happened. It's not just another soundbite on telly with a chief detective or, or whoever, a state minister. Diametrically up. opposed to Scott Morrison the day he walked into Pellegrini's, a place he'd never been, and offered his sympathies to all the other staff after Sisto was murdered and there were eight cameras following him. And then he walked outside and started to campaign for Matthew Guy, just saying... Just saying. Anyway, Jacinta's my girl. And just quickly, if anybody follows Facebook, there is an hilarious thing on Jacinta Ardern's uh, Facebook page where she gives herself a minute to, uh, they say, you've got one minute to to go through all of the achievements uh, since you've become Prime Minister. And she starts with education, she ends with health, and she goes through them, all the things that she's done since her government was formed. It's funny, hilarious, and uh, she's, look, she's my rock star for, uh, well, the year, really, not just the week. I think she's a wonderful leader. Yes, okay. Corinna, that is thank you, of course. Your crush of the week was thanks to the Interchange Bench. Thank you, bench. Interchange Bench. As I said before, get back on top of work with first-class staff. Visit interchangebench.com.au. And I just want to mention here, by way of complete segue, because I know you were getting a bit concerned that we haven't heard for a while from Kevin from Geelong. Well, he got I in touch. what happened to Kevin He from got in Geelong. touch the other day. He was devo. He didn't make it to our live podcast, and he wants to know when the next one is. So you tell me we're doing a, a pre-footy season one next year. Yes, I think that's a very good idea. I like so Hutchie's did... film night idea too. Yes. Movie well, night. Hutchie, for those who don't know, Craig Hutchinson of Croc Media, who is connected with Don't Shoot the Messenger, has suggested a film night for charity because Caro and I are such film buffs. We thought that sounded good, but we thought it would be rather fun just to add to your incredibly busy week of the of the footy starting. I know every March you go nuts. I'd lose you for about 10 days. And she probably won't do any notes again, Jane, in that week in March. I just think that's me. That's me. <laughs> That's anyway, just I'm, I'm just, just perfect. So we're going to have a pre-footy thing for a charity of our choice. It's time for BSF. Maybe Kevin could come and be one of our guests. It's time for BSF. Is he good talent? Is he funny? Yes, in a 
Yes, in a nutty sort of way. Yeah, he is. In he's a very, nutty? No, he's, he's, he's smart. Um, we've had a few ding-dong blues over the years too because we often disagree because, of course, he's a media manager at a, a head of – well, he's now an executive at a footy club, but they're people who, by their very nature, are people that I generally blew with. Now, we had our book club break up last week, Corrie. Yes. Our book club – I think that was our 27th book club Christmas break up which is pretty unbelievable. God, it's a lot of drinks, isn't it, with the it's girls? It's a lot of books. Um, and I want to ask you, because you started the book club, you sent me a message. We didn't have email back in those days. Mm. You sent me a message saying when we were working at the Sunday Age, I want to form a book club. Yeah, so, and quite a few of the, of the originals are still there, which yeah, is so, lovely. So this is a good tip for people who want to start their own book club. It's no use these days saying, I'd like to join a book club and hoping you'll be invited because people won't do that. And back in the back – 1992, I think it was, Caro, and I've said, I think I've said this before, it was a time of immense sadness and reflection for me because I'd just suffered yet another miscarriage and I thought, right, come on, let's get on with life. And I messaged you, it was when we had that old-fashioned messaging system. Yeah, well, I was computers. trying to remember what it was called. <laughs> it was a funny electronic system at the age because we didn't have emails or anything. Anyway, yeah, I messaged you. It led to a few embarrassing faux pas too, I can I messaged you. you and I said, how about we find four people each and then ask them to to ask one person each, not their best friend or whatever, but somebody they know who is a keen reader. And so long before long, we had 12 people. The really good thing about this pod is if you're thinking of starting a book club is that if you don't have all good friends together, your talk doesn't get weighed down in that Oh, what did you do last Saturday night? Oh, do you remember? Did you remember when that happened years ago? And what about the wedding the other day? We went to a da 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 da. You don't have that social connection. That comes over time and years as you become friendly. But when you start off, you're really focusing on the books. And that's what I loved about our book club. We brought an eclectic mix of women together. And we still remain. Um, we've had to renew a couple of times. Sadly, we've lost a couple of members. Um, they have died. Uh, but we're still going strong. And looking some have moved that, overseas or interstate. Some have come back, Caro. Yes. After years of absence. Yes. But wasn't been... it lovely being around the table the other night, just with everybody calm, happy, so happy in our friendship together, and the fact that this has been going on for nearly thirty years. But we did have the Brownlow vote, which always causes yes, and it, mass it, it's, disruption. It's named after a much-loved but very brief book club member, which is a stupid joke. I loved our friend Sal's beautiful silver-sprayed boot with a forementioned person's name on it and the silver book inside, which, which is the trophy for the person who chose the book of the year. And you won it. I did indeed. It was well, absolutely look, I hysterical. I felt a bit embarrassed because as a bookseller, gosh, if I can't if I can't suggest a really good read, well, I should give up my day job. No, offense. <laughs> Thanks. no but well, that no. we don't always just, love it. You them. know, just Jane, isn't it always the way? Just as I floating on a cloud of feeling good about myself, she just comes you know and why? sticks because the pin in that, the cloud. This is, you are very bad at taking a compliment. So right. I, well, I, I manifest I it by cracking a gag. Why would I take a compliment when it gets shouted down? Polly, anyway, what we do, Potties, is we do the Brownlow vote. So yes. we have all the vo- all the books that we've read during the year, which is usually about eight or nine, and then we have a 3 two, one which everybody still gets confused about. Is one vote for the one you love the most? Or is three? And Carol and I, being footy heads, go, no, it's like the Brownlow medal. It's yeah. not that Three hard. for the best, one for the – but to even get a vote is an honour because there were some great books. You're going to tell everyone what our book of the year was. The book of the year, drumroll again, was Warlash by Michael Ondaatje, which didn't win just by one or two votes. It won by several votes. And Wasn't you, that great? Yeah, it was. You suggested it, but you were a bit snippy. Another book didn't win. I think the Shepherd's one, Heart. Yeah, you thought Shepherd's Heart. That came third. Ah, uh, 
It did. I think. I think yeah, it, and it, Home Fire. Home came, Fire came yeah, second. And Home Fire, we're doing actually in the Book Pods Book Club, Caro. So oh, it's the most fabulous book. We can't wait to discuss that. So it was a really great night. Uh, friendship, laughs. I got to take the silver boot home. Thank you, Sally and Rick, for spraying it in the spray paint. It seems to be in my wardrobe now. But, look, I'm very proud of my award named after the member who only came to one meeting and left. So <laughs> but we did, she knows that we're named She totally knows it because I sort of used to run into her a bit at, boy, at school, of school footy. And, um, yeah, she didn't sort of think it was as funny as I did, you know, how that happens sometimes. Um, now, Corrie. Screen. Screen. This isn't a new movie because we've both been too busy to go to the movies, although we are going to have a good movie next week. Corrie, Australian Story, which is just a wonderful, enduring Australian series. And thank heavens for the ABC because it just continues to surprise me. But did you watch Monday's show, I, The I Arsonist? Did, I did, Carol, and I saw uh, from some WhatsApp group that you and I are in that you were also at home watching it. And I thought, given that I was in charge of the notes, <laughs> I suspected that perhaps with your busy schedule you hadn't seen a film. And I thought, we haven't done television for a while. And I thought, it's it's now 20 years of Australian story. It never ceases to delight sadden, amaze me. And this particular one on the arsonist who lit the fires in Churchill National Park on Black Saturday in 2009 with Chloe Hooper, the author of the new book. Which is our book club, first book club which book is our for 2019. And can I say, since Monday has been jumping off the shelves. So it's really good to see that a good television show with a great interview with an author equals great results in sales. It's always, I mean, some of the rural ones they do are unbelievable. The one about the Daryl Lee family, the David Hook's death, they get interviews that no one else can get, but they, um, they're they so balanced. I mean, I, I ended that show feeling so desperately sorry for that young man and his family, even though he had caused the death of so many people. I mean, he was clearly a misfit from a very early age. His stories of him at school were so sad. The shots of him as a little boy. I mean, it was a very, very moving episode, I thought. And it was a really great lesson in uh, bullying and how to watch for it, look for it, look for signs, help young people who are being bullied. Uh, and look, this child, this young kid was just ostracised. I mean, getting off the school bus, his parents picking him up when he would get off the school bus and he was covered in faeces and spit. Yeah. It was just, I know. it was so sad. And as you say, very balanced. On one hand, you you know, you're, you're really there with the people from that area. That lovely Victoria. couple who'd lost their two boys. Oh, I mean, and, and the mum saying, I, I've, I forgive him. And if I saw him, I would tell him I forgive him. I mean, it was, I was nearly crying. I thought it was the most brilliant show. It was. So hats off to Australian Story. And we look forward to many, many more stories in 2019. What's your recipe, Caro? I know you're bursting to get this one out. Well, you know, as it won't I, be it won't be off I feel it, will it? No, it, it won't be the off I feel it. Luckily, as my brother said, it just shows how much you over cater because there was still plenty of food. And um I did do that beautiful Karen Martini recipe where you marinate um peppercorns and cumin seed and garlic and heaps of thyme with cut up chicken. Anyway, that's not Oh, so I, you did have a protein fallback. I did, I did, but there, it was rather family hold back. There was, <laughs> there was only, there was, there was William, only, Brendan, and you no chicken. Now this is a recipe that Anna of the Op Shop fame passed on to me many years ago, and I actually cooked it for my dad and his wife and my stepmother on Friday night. 
It's the Martha Stewart slow cooked salmon. Now, the salmon fillets. Okay, you get you know salmon yeah, fillets you. for I'm, however I'm many people. Taking notes. Um, I, I keep the skin on. You can take the skin off. I don't really fear. I do love. Care. I do love skin on a salmon. I have to say. Yeah, I do too. So she Martha says slow cook it for about half an hour in a low oven. I just cook it in the oven on parchment with salt and pepper. You take it out of the oven. The tip is what you put on top, and this is the most wonderful recipe. You put in a big bowl one finely chopped shallot, about two tablespoons of baby capers drained, a cup of chopped, finely chopped parsley, and then another, well, probably about half a cup of the following, and you can use pretty much whatever herbs you like, but the best ones are dill, basil, tarragon, chives, and if you've got it, marjoram, which is going very well in my garden, and a very nice garnish. Chop all that up really finely with sea salt and black pepper, and add about, oh, I don't know, a tablespoon of olive oil. So it's like a jamula, chamula with a twist. Yeah, well, it's sort of like... Um, gremolata, sorry, gremolata Yeah, but it, it's not sort of pureed. Yeah. You just heap a spoonful, a big spoonful of that mixture on top of the salmon. What was the liquidy element in it? Olive oil. Right, okay. But that's all. And okay. then you serve it with asparagus. And I, and just ba- I did baby boiled um, kifla potatoes. So, Mandy, you want to know why Caro is one of Australia's most uh, decorated journalists because she just remembered that recipe off by heart. Yeah, I saw that actually. I've done it. I have done it many times. It's quite amazing. It was bad. How was that? And she has a Mr. B. And measurements. It was measurements. I'm scratching for notes. It's the chopping of the herbs that takes time. Mandy, Mandy, Mandy wanted to come to today's podcast and meet you because she says sometimes she listens to us and she thinks that you're a bit mean to me. And we'll have a sell-in lesson and she'll say... Oh, no. I've just, given Mandy, say, I've just given Mandy the death stare, the Julie Bishop say, death stare. And she'll say, Corey, I just listened to the last episode. I thought Caro was a bit mean to you. I go, she's mean to me all the bloody time, Mandy. I have well, to look after my bookseller, Caro. Yeah, you're clearly sucking up to her, Mandy. <laughs> I, um, after congratulating you on your big award, I'm now a little bit cross. No, people say Corey's mean to me, so it just depends where you come oh, from. Oh, name one. Who? I don't want to create... Issues? No one does. That's, That's you not are what I'm. Such a fibber. I'm not. I'm actually not fibbing. <laughs> That's not what I'm grumpy about today. But I am grumpy. Can I just move straight into grumpy? Oh, please do. Yeah. Is there any chance one of these Australian cricketers, don't have to yell. Don't or yell. cricket commentators, or former cricket coaches, or cricket experts, can go on radio and actually call the people who are interviewing them by name? Now, footballers are bad enough. What do they call them, mate? Oh, or, g'day. Now, there was a former, a very well-known cricketer who joined a well-known club somewhere not far from us, Corrie, and I don't think he was very popular at that club because he never bothered to remember any of the people's names who, who? were members of the club. I can't say. Oh, go on. And he's no longer at that club. Well, you can tell me. I'll tell you later. No, I can't because it's not my club. But this this... Is personified by Darren Lehman, who, in my view, has escaped a lot of scrutiny for Sandpaper Gate, who denies he knew anything about it. I mean, I'm not saying I don't believe him, but it is pretty unusual that he knew absolutely nothing about it. And he was clearly part of the culture that led to Sandpaper Gate. People say he's a great bloke. I'm sure he's a great bloke, but he is paid. I'm using this example, Macquarie Radio, to be a guest commentator. He goes on Jared Healy and Dwayne Russell's show here in Melbourne, Sports. Day, 
every time I listen to him, he calls them mate. Now, why can't he call Footballers do what I know, and that's bad enough. If I was a media manager, Kevin from Geelong, take heed, I would be telling all my players, when you go, this is his name. Her name is Corrie Perkin. Call her Corrie. It is so annoying. And Darren Lehman, who should know better, who's an experienced media performer, goes on Gerard and Dwayne and has since the start of the Adelaide Test and before and calls them mate. I'm, I am with you on that, Caro. Uh, I actually uh, <clears throat> made a bit of an idiot of myself a couple of days ago at a club where I am, I'm not going to say what it is or where it is, and one of the committee stood up and just started talking. And this happens a lot. And it really bugs me because I don't care if you know every single person in the room, you introduce yourself. And then you refer to the other people on the panel or whoever by their name. Don't assume, and you know, when someone else comes up, don't just go, oh, hi, Jane, or hi, Sue, or whatever. This, ladies and gentlemen, is blah, blah, and his or her role is da-da. There's nothing wrong with that. What what do you do when... um as you and I, it's happened to us, we're walking along and someone comes up who one of us know, but we can't remember their name. And so you want, you can't, I can't say, Corrie, this is Jane, because I've forgotten Jane's name. Well, I, well, I think, and, f- and first of all, if you're good friends or you and I have a, an emotional intelligence together, we know immediately that the other one is having a bit of a floundering because we also know that we're, we're so well behaved, we would immediately say, Oh, Carol, have you met Mandy from Hardy Grant? Like, yep. Now, if I haven't said that in the first 20 seconds... I'll put my hand you'll out put to Because you know that I'm in a trouble. Caroline Wilson, hi. And, my and, problem is then that I will then say that person's name 50 times to make up for the fact that I forgot oh, it. It's so but, bad. But I do, think, uh, I do think you actually have to grab the bull by the horns on this one. If the person who is with you isn't getting the gist that you've forgotten the name, I think you actually just have to say, oh, I'm so sorry I'm having a complete brain drain. Or just like put it back on yourself and say... Oh, Meet my friend, Caro. I've forgotten. Then but don't you find there are certain people that, you know, 10 years down this track, you still forget their name? Oh, yes. And it's, I don't know why it is. And they just look at you with that, you've forgotten my name again, haven't you? And it's just so bad. But anyway, Darren Lehman, you're making me very grumpy. You should be showing more leadership. Their names are Jared and Dwayne. Corrie, six quick questions. Okay. Are you happy with Time Magazine's Person of the Year announced I'm, this week? I'm extremely happy and you should be too, Caro, because it's uh, Time Magazine has collectively named journalists, including Jamal Khashoggi and others killed and imprisoned as their, you know, quote unquote, person of the year. And I think this is. I was is a bit a, concerned it was going to be Meghan Markle. Nothing well, they were talking Meghan. about that, yeah. which I thought was incredibly odd that they would take a popular culture figure yep. um, and someone who's, you know, simply married into the royal family. But look, this is really important for us, Caro, and I think this whole, um, I think it's Time Magazine's quiet way of telling the Trump administration to take a good hard look at itself. Journalists are not the enemy of the people. And particularly, they've, they've named a number of journalists, two Reuters reporters who have been jailed in Myanmar after investigating the massacre of the Rohingyans. Uh, but of course, they've mentioned the journalists who were shot in that mass shooting at the Capitol Gazette in Maryland in June, which we do think was almost a direct result of of Donald Trump saying, you know, the enemy, the, the media is the enemy of the people. Yep. So... For hats off, Time Magazine. I think that's a great idea. And now, just a quick one. I know we're not American, but it's Marilyn. They don't say Maryland. It's not like a chicken. Oh, okay. Marilyn. Marilyn. Okay. I'll, I'll note to self. Thank you. Um, what is your can't Mandy, do? Mandy, that's not being mean. That's just <laughs> oh, I was, correct. No, I know. I was laughing. <laughs> See, she's being mean to me again. 
Um, what is your car- Caro seven Corey no meanness zero? <laughs> what is your can't do without summer kitchen gadget, Caroline? That's easy, Corey. The lettuce spinner. What would you do without your lettuce spinner? I do love a lettuce spinner. I know this because... Except when they break. When I'm... Well, that is the thing. I've had this lettuce spinner. It's got a few cracks in it, but it still spins lettuce perfectly well. Brenda and I were talking about this. You never have to replace them. So I don't know why yours is broken, but No, it's anyway. very old. I inherited it from a house I moved into and it worked. The string thing is not... It's lost its... Zap, oh, you know, it's okay. lost its yep. speed. Ours it's is so slow. old, but the string still works. So would you like to tell people who don't know what a lettuce spinner does... Well, I think people know, but I don't think people don't know that, do they, Corey? It's a big, it's a big round thing, if and you it's don't got a, know, just write in a lettuce. It's note. got a, a colander type thing in the middle, and you put the lettuce in after you've washed it in the sink, and you spin it. Yes, and, and, and all the water goes outside the netted area yeah. into the plastic bowl and area. You, you tip the water out, preferably on your plants, and then you often do it again and you get more water. But I know, I know how much I need this when I end up in a place where I don't have a lettuce spinner and you lay it on a tea towel and you do, do the old swing the tea towel outside. And, and your lettuce flies over the balcony well, of the yeah, rental and in And it doesn't Bay. really dry p- properly and it goes a bit soggy. So the lettuce spinner is my can't-do-without-summer gadget. Corrie, what is the new accessory you would like to invent for dogs? Everyone knows I moved house a couple of weeks ago and I've moved into a very nice rental with floorboards. And Bezzy, you know, who's now a bit senile and 16 years of age, tip-tap, tip-tap in the middle of the night because she doesn't know where she is. On these floorboards, it is driving me nuts. Slippers for dogs, Caro? Oh, Corrie. Corrie, Slippers is. for dogs, little now, Ugg boots. This is not being mean to say that is a ridiculous no, idea. No, I would put, honestly, at night time, I would put them on all four paws. You know Sebastian in The Little Mermaid? Remember The Little Mermaid? Our yes. kids were but Remember Sebastian would click, click, click everywhere he went, you know, click, click, It is like that. And in the middle of the night, Coco stayed the other night at our place. You're going, that dog with its, you know, tappy tappies, you know, up and down the corridor because she's not quite sure where she is, poor darling, and then comes back to the bedroom to lie on her towel. But the minute she's up, I'm awake. Okay, I'll take that on board, but I think it's a dumb idea. And mention of Bearsy, a beautiful spoodle, um, mean, means we really should send a cheerio to our, our dear friend Ro, a Aww. podcast favourite, who is the owner of one of the most beautiful dogs I have ever known, Noodle, who passed away last week. Noodle was another spoodle. And Noodle was is a year was a year older than Bezzy. Noodle stopped coming on the dog. walk with us probably about a year or two years ago. Oh, Noodles a, couldn't come anymore. Yeah, he was a beautiful. I dog. did look at Bezzy the other day and went, oh, the walks at the beach. Yeah, you know, know. the number, <laughs> the days are numbered, Bezzy. The days are numbered. <laughs> but Sandy's good for their little paws. Well, I think, and I think slippers. Well, <laughs> <laughs> righto. Um, on to a more serious note, Carrie. Should Simon Overland resign from Whittlesea Council CEO role? One word, Corrie. Yes. He's got to go. He's got to go. go. And, you know, I, I let my, my views know last week about, known last week about um, Simon Overland's role in all of that. Um, lawyer X. Corrie Edna O'Brien turns 80, 88 on December 15. She's, of course, the Irish writer. We what love your, her. What, yeah, you do. I've only read two of her books. I did like them. But what is your favourite, Edna O'Brien? Well, my favourite is The Country Girls, which uh, she, oh, yes. she wrote in 1960. That's mine too. And, uh, and I read it at that formative period in my life when I was about 17 or 18. And so what she does is she takes a couple of these girls who are living in country Ireland in the 1950s, Catholic, conservative. The girls move to town and they discover – it's just before the summer of love, but that's what they discover. One of them has an affair with a married man. And not that I at 17 wanted to have an affair with a married man, stressing that – 
However, the idea of going to town, getting your first job, saving and working, uh, it's such a beautiful book. I don't think time... I think in, I think time has improved this book if you take yourself back to that period. That's what you have to do when you read this book. It's her finest book. But also for those nonfiction fans, I would suggest Country Girl, which was Edna's 2012 biography, is one of the best autobiographies I have ever read in my life. I think autobiographies of writers usually – This is an autobiography. Yes, yeah, sorry, auto, I should have said that. Usually a fantastic – Oh, she's so, she's so self – She's so self. Um, what, what am I trying Facing. to say? Yeah, and and she really analyzes herself. But to me, she her journey tracks the twentieth century woman, clearly because of her age. But that whole kind of moving to London in the nineteen sixties, she was really in an in crowd, and I don't just mean the Princess Margaret, you know, Beatles sort of crowd. I mean artists, hippie, Carnaby Street, and her her many loves and many passions, and. Uh, just trying to trying to gain status as a female writer when it was dominated by people like Martin Amos and Julian Barnes and Ian McHugh and all these bright young Turks. And Edna somehow sort of got overlooked because she was a woman. Uh, it's a great autobiography. I tried to reread last summer The House of Splendid Isolation, but I just found it really depressing. Did we do, we, did we do the little red chairs in yeah, book club? You, well, you loved it, but yeah, it, didn't, I did. yeah, it didn't go down. I mean, people didn't love it for some reason. Yeah, it's a brilliant anyway, book. Now... Oh, you've got to ask me if I've got a GLT. Yes, I do have a GLT, Corrie. Sorry. I think she's being mean to me again. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just I'm I'm misreading the running Caro H. Corrie. Small this is a real Zilch. this is a weird GLT. But you know how um we did the winter plant basil a, a little while ago mm. and we said you can't plant it before Caulfield Cup Day. I'd revise that. I reckon move it up to Melbourne Cup Day. I think the later you plant it, the better it is. But my GLT, my good local tip is... So is that a revised GLT? Yes, but it, there's an extension. So when we write our book, we actually have to have... Extended, by way of extension... Hardy Grant's going to publish the Carol and Corrie book. <laughs> by way of extended GLT, Baby Basil. Now, I discovered this on my travels earlier this year. It's big in Greece, like big I saw pots. your baby Basil the other day, Caro. Oh, yeah, it is so... You <gasps> know why... you it, feeding it? Well... It won't be baby for long. No, well, it's baby in that the leaves yes, are baby. it's beautiful. And so it is... It's like a micro-herb, Basil. It is, but wouldn't it make a lovely ground cover, I thought, afterwards? Yeah, it, look, it would. It doesn't go to seed as quickly as normal basil. It's really pretty in a just a big terracotta pot or an old concrete pot, but it's fabulous for garnish or to put in omelettes and things like that. And you don't have to chop it up. You just pick it up and sprinkle it. Baby basil. And I'm finding that most bigger garden nurseries are selling, often you can buy basil now in a four pack, like you'll get the purple basil, the Thai basil, the normal basil and the baby basil. And it's worth getting all the other basils just for this beautiful basil. It is honestly your most beautiful summer pot. And note to Bunnings, when I went to your nursery the other day, not one English lavender to be found. Not oh, one. Really? Not one. I was wanting to fill it in, put in the pots, you know, the pots on the balcony at the beach and, you know, ready to spend a fortune. None. Well, well, that, the other plant GLT was Brendan said we had to put a basil, uh, a lavender pot by our rubbish bin because it stops the flies. Oh, really? Pa- apparently. Oh, Brendan. Apparently. <laughs> Martha Stewart. Who, who knew? <laughs> now, you Cor- are married to a man of many talents, I think I think we'll describe this as our penultimate episode for 2018. That means second last. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Did I have a look on my face like, what does that mean? Um Thanks, Mandy, for popping Thank in. Thank you, Caro. And choosing and listening. See, she is mean in real life. 
Tell no please, comment, Corey. Please tell. Yeah, she's just trying to get on your good side. <laughs> please tell all your family and friends, and thank you for bringing in that lovely book, A Spot at the Bar, and congratulations again to the lucky podcaster who chose the name Girl Talk for the cocktail of the week. I'll have to tell Chad um, about Jane's Jane Templeton's uh, suggestion. I'm not so, sure how it's going to go down with the boys in the front bar, but look, we'll give it a go. We're not marketers. We just like a popular name. Tell your friends and family to subscribe to our podcast. We love getting feedback via email, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and all the links are in the show notes for this episode. Don't forget to listen to the book pod, episode six, with you've done another author, Corrie, Marcus Suzak, who we loved. Well, with it the is book an author. Thief. It is a show about interviewing authors, Caro. That's not quite surprising. No, I'm impressed at how diligent you've been with all your authors. How, but how um, about getting Marcus Suzak of The Book Thief? That's pretty like, impressive. Is that be, that's like getting. He know, took a long time to come up, up with The Bridge of Clay, but you tell me it's a wonderful book, so yeah, I'm looking forward to reading you it. You have a listen to the book pod, Caro. And next week, we have. Two special guests, not one but two. We've got Anna from the Op Shop coming in one more time for 2018. We'll have to start putting her on the payroll. With Chris Redfern, our old friend from the Avenue Bookstore. They're going to do... Mandy's impressed. You just went, oh, Mandy, you've got a crush on him too. <laughs> We're doing an ex- Mandy has a crush on a lot of the male books. We're doing an extended mix next week, BSF 2018 rap. I'm going to name my 10 best films for 2018. Anna and take Chris, up about an hour and a half. Anna and Chris are going to come up with their books. And thank you again to the Interchange Book. And I'm just going to sit there and look pretty. No, I'm also going to suggest a few podcasts as well. I think it's it's your all-round list for summer. I, so want, you, I want you to do your 10 best books of the year. I will be there How forever. Hard can I think be? we should make it three or four. Thanks It'll honestly a, be a two-hour show. Thank you again to the Interchange Bench. Thanks, First Interchange class, Bench. temporary and contract talent, our wonderful sponsors who make this show possible. Have a wonderful week, everyone. And Corrie, don't shoot the messenger.